today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Prayer makes a difference, but yet God makes that final decision. We can't cut the tension out of our faith. We can't unravel the mystery of faith. Once we try and do that and cut the tension, now it's difficult to live in that tension of how God works, but once we cut the tension, immediately we veer off to this end or we veer off to this end and we come un. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. The Bible makes it clear that prayer is an integral part of our faith. Through prayer, we can make our petitions known to God. In today's message from the book of James, Pastor Ed cautions us to always remain in the Word so that our faith and prayer lives do not become skewed. In other words, we cannot use prayer to manipulate a holy God. The Lord always has the final say because He knows all things and knows what's best for us. Prayer is then a way for our will to line up with the Father's. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? What James is referring to at that point is persecution, financial oppression, distress, all sorts of troubles that come into our lives. He says, anybody in trouble? Here's what you do. At that moment, you pray. Look at the biblical text. He should pray. Is anyone happy? You're just going through a great time. You're on, as it were, the upside. Don't forget God then. In his blessings, don't forget the blesser. So begin to sing songs, praise him, worship him, give thanks. In the bad times, don't forget God. In the good times, don't forget God. And then the text goes on. Is any one of you sick? That word sick is referring to someone who is critically ill. They're in dire straits. They're flat on their back. He says, is anyone sick like that? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Notice, elders of the church, those are the spiritual leaders of the church. Our church governance is a little different than the New Testament church, and different denominations have different governances. But The idea basically of mature spiritual leaders within the church. They come and they pray over him. Notice that gives you the idea that that person's right on their back. They anoint him with oil. Oil, a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it symbolizes God's presence. And as the text goes on, it says, and they pray in the name of the Lord. In other words, when they, the elders, placed hands on the sick, They picture Jesus placing hands on that sick person. Their hands become an extension of his hands. See, the church is to carry on the healing ministry of Jesus. James, the Lord's brother, grew up with Jesus, the great physician, and 
He knew of the power of Christ, and he saw the power in Jerusalem for God to heal the sick. And as a leader of that church, he said, let that person pray in the name of the Lord. And the text goes on to say, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Look what the text is. The prayer offered in faith. Whose faith? The faith of the elders. That's who it's referring to. Sometimes people are so sick, they're flat on their back, and they're struggling with their faith. And when this is the prayer of faith, offered in faith, that's the eldership believing, trusting for a miracle in this person's life. And then it says, what happens? It says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Notice that phrase. The prayer Offered in faith will make the sick person well. The the Lord will raise him up. There is mystery. Our part, God's part. God doing something, God raising him up. Our prayer, a prayer of faith. and, And the text goes on to say, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, I'm going to stop at that point. Next week, we're going to talk about effectual, fervent prayer of Elijah. And then the following week, we're going to talk about returning the backslider to God. And then we'll complete our series in the book of James. Jessica, just an infant. Just a number of months old becomes violently ill with pneumonia. Her father is a pastor, a preacher. He prays and he believes for his child's healing fervently day and night for days. Jessica Ann dies. This takes place in Estes, Colorado. The district attorney of Estes, Colorado hears of the case and feels like it's negligence and murder. They take John Lieberger to court. He's found guilty. The judge pronounces the ruling And he said, it would be a greater crime to put him in prison. Because John Lieberger was the father of five children. And by all reports, he was a good father. So he sentences him to five years of community service in the hospital right across from his home. In Estes, Colorado. Going out of the court... A news reporter asked John Lyberg, Reverend Lyberg, what do you think about the verdict? How do you feel about the verdict of guilty? He responds, God is my judge. I will stand before God and be judged. Let's say, and that's true, all of us one day will stand before God and be judged. Let's say God said to you at that end day, I want you to serve on the jury. How would you find Reverend John Lyberg? Guilty? Not guilty? Most important is what God says. But how would you? 
Richard Foster said, Normally, the aid of prayer and the aid of medicine should be pursued at the same time with equal vigor, for both are gifts from God. Reverend Lieberger had strong faith, devout faith, but he had faulty theology. Strong faith, devout faith, with wrong theology can be very, very dangerous. Foster goes on to say, healing prayer is a part of the normal Christian life. It should not be elevated above any other ministry in the community of faith, nor should it be undervalued. Rather, it should be kept in proper balance. It is simply a normal aspect of what it means to live under the reign of God. James tells us that God heals, and we know that. And we believe that. There's also a sovereignty. Immediately, when you begin to delve into the Christian faith, you'll notice all sorts of tensions. God chooses us, yet we accept him as Savior. Where is it all? Prayer makes a difference, but yet God makes that final decision. We can't cut the tension out of our faith. We can't unravel the mystery of faith. Once we try and do that and cut the tension, now it's difficult to live in that tension of how God works, but once we cut the tension, immediately we veer off to this end or we veer off to this end and we come unbalanced. I want you to listen very carefully because the faith of some may depend on your faith. Richard Foster talks about healing prayer. And this morning, I I want us to look at some of the aspects. The first, he says, is listen. The first step is discernment. We listen to people and we listen to God. Uh, What is he saying by that? He says, when we begin to pray for somebody, listen to that person. Because that person may, as they talk, reveal an area of disobedience in their life or an area of sin. And if they deal with that sin, it may release the healing power of God to them. It it may be that in their life they're struggling with some fear or guilt. And if, if that is dealt with, all of a sudden it releases the healing power of Jesus to flow through their physical body. Richard Foster tells the story of a woman who comes for prayer. And she asks for healing prayer. And she begins to tell her story. And she just rattles, 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 rattles on. And and the preacher or the person who's ministering to her says, God has forgiven you. She doesn't hear him. And she just rattles on. He says it again. God has forgiven you. She's not listening. She's just rattling on. Finally, he takes her by the shoulders. He shakes her. And he says, listen to me. God has forgiven you. And suddenly, her eyes open. She begins crying. She turns to her husband and says, God has forgiven me. And healing is released into her life. What he means by listening as 
we go and that first step is we listen to that person because maybe there's something that's going to open up the healing power of Jesus to them. But we not only listen to them, we listen to God. Yeah, we listen to God. Now, think about it for a moment. Did James know Paul? Certainly. Was James and Paul, were they friends? James, the author of the book of James? Paul, the apostle? Yes, they were. Uh, Numerous times, Paul visited Jerusalem. And I don't think it's beyond our imagination that they prayed together as well in this great task of evangelizing the world. Uh, James says, call for the elders of the church. Was Paul sick? He certainly was. Three times he prayed, oh Lord, deliver me. Now notice, three times he prayed. He didn't give up on it. Just kept on pursuing. Well, there was James. (laughs) There was Peter. Peter's shadow just healed people. There were the other disciples. There they were in prayer meetings together in Jerusalem, going to the temple at times, the Jerusalem council. Fellas, just lay hands on me, anoint me with... Somehow, a voice came from heaven and said, My grace is sufficient. God, I want my healing. Uh, Paul, my my grace is sufficient. Uh, God, I want my healing. My grace is sufficient, Paul. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, Listening to God. Listening to God when we pray for people. We want neat little formulas, but God doesn't work that way. God has a mind and a will, and the Bible is packed with information about how God works. And so, the first step is listen. The second step is ask. This is a step of faith. We come to a clearness about what is needed. We invite God's healing to come. We speak a definite, straightforward declaration of what is to be. We do not weaken our request with ifs, ands, or buts. What he's saying at this point, when we ask, we say, Lord, will you heal this person? God, we believe that you want to touch them. And we begin to pray and request definitely over a situation. Now, notice what the Bible says. Call for the elders, plural, not singular. There's something about unity in prayer. There's something about people praying together. We sort of ride off one another's faith. Uh, The faith of our brother, the faith of our sister inspires us to believe and to trust in God. The faith of a congregation, as it were, could break through those barriers and break through those walls. There's something about prevailing prayer and unity in prayer. Sometimes there's a battle that we have to involve ourselves in. There's intercession. There's tarrying that breaks through and brings, as it were, God's power to bear on that moment. Foster talks about that second step to ask. Go to the scriptures. Take some promises. Take some verses of scripture. Meditate on them. Soak in them. Like Exodus 23:25 or Exodus 15:26. Let me read to you Exodus 23:25. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. 
I will take away sickness from among you. Just to meditate on that. Or Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God is the God who heals. And to take passages and to take scriptures and to meditate on that, to think on that, to pray over those things, that's what he's referring to when we begin to ask. But then there's another step, believe. Step three, believe. And Foster says, this is a step of assurance. We believe with the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Now, I just want to make a couple of comments right here. There are times that God will give you what Corinthians calls the gift of faith. Where all of a sudden you have this divine gift from God and you just trust and you just know and you just believe. And, and, and you just know it's God. There are times where God will give you a word of knowledge and that gift is operating in you and you just know and you just see that that person is going to be delivered and healed. Now, again, I want to set in context this sense of mystery because as we began the story with that pastor and his daughter whom I'm sure he loved. And I'm sure that man is a, is a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. But we need to walk, as it were, in balance in our life and hear God's voice, know his voice. Uh, you just can't simply go and say, in every situation, right now it's God's will for you to be healed. If that were the case, go into the hospital ward at Vassar Hospital or go to St. Francis or... or there, there are times, ultimately, our, our salvation we don't receive in full here. I have friends that believe that, but it's just simply not true. The Bible tells us that he saves us from sin. Isn't that true? Okay. We're sanctified by his power. That means that we're progressing in holiness. I had a roommate who said that he was sinless because he experienced the fullness of his salvation. I said, get real, I live with you. That's not true. <laughs> We're going to experience the fullness of our salvation on the other side. And in part, and I don't fully understand the mystery of it, but all of us are going to be healed ultimately because we're going to get a new body a resurrected body that knows no sickness, no pain. And we live, in a sense, in this in-between state of the, the present and not yet and the things to come. But as we pray for people, we can believe for their healing. And, and, and when you believe for a person's healing, you're, you're saying, God, I know that you're the healer. I, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to see that person in my heart as healed. Praying in faith. Now, that's, as I said, going to help me live a balanced Christian life because I've seen people absolutely crushed where they really believed something, but it didn't happen. And I know they believe. Uh, Brother Zwali was a close personal friend of me, mine, one of the most godly men I knew. He, he owned um, a local oil uh, delivery business. And this man was 
godly. Well, he had cancer, and he, I'm telling you, believed. Not only did he believe, his wife believed. Not only did his wife believe, but his children believed. And I remember going almost every day to his house and praying with him. And then one day when I went, he passed away. His wife was so disillusioned that she went down to the basement and she hung herself. I had a double funeral to do, husband and wife. You have to be very careful. Can't blame people. There's some mystery to something that we don't know. But does that stop me from praying in faith? No. Does that stop me from believing for supernatural things? No. But if I don't recognize the sovereignty of God, the mystery of this life, I could have a dangerous faith. My faith has to be informed by proper theology. And as you look at the study of church history and you you look at the study of the scriptures, all of those things help inform you. But I tell you, I'd rather believe to the point that a person is just ready to go to the grave and just pray in faith unless God says no. But I'd rather just pray and trust for a supernatural miracle and say, Lord, I I believe you for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to trust God because I've seen people healed of cancer. We have people healed in our church. Uh, One of our doctors, Dr. Joseph Adjaman, he was losing sight in his eyes. The doctor says, his fellow doctors, his colleagues said, you are going to lose your eyesight. God healed him. God delivered him. And, And they were amazed. But I must live the Christian life in balance and with an understanding. And I know it's hard to sometimes put all these things together. But the Christian life is lived in tension. And whenever you cut that tension, you become off balance either way. Foster talks about the fourth step. He gave the three steps. Listen, ask, believe. Fourth step, give thanks. This is a step of gratitude. Simple courage leads us to express our thanks for what we have asked to happen. Begin by faith saying, Lord, I thank you that that's going to happen. I thank you that uh, that person is going to one day just, they're going to walk or they're going to run or they're going to, and you begin to visualize with holy, sanctified imagination that miracle taking place. And, And I think that's a healthy thing to do. To be able, it's different. Now, be very careful how you do this. And I, unless God has dropped a word of knowledge in your heart, because I've seen it where people have just made some confession and they said, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Be very careful of that because if you're not, that really hurts the testimony of Christians. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. 
You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.